Welcome to another edition of Talking Tigs. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, joined by my co-host, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. I promise you we got a more positive uh, Talking Tigs for you this week, uh, mostly because uh, LSU won uh, fairly handily, 34-7 against McNeese State. Um, but, uh, you know, not without its faults, but, you know, we get into all of that. Uh, we'll also cover what else is going on in college football because for the second week in a row, seems like it's just really crazy out there. I don't know. It, it almost gives me flashes of, of 2007 where there were just, you know, upsets throughout the season, some you didn't expect, but they're happening so early now. I, I don't know. Um, but I want to check in with you guys as we always do, uh, especially, you know, since you guys were able to go to the game. But, um, like, we're fresh off this LSU win. We, I don't know about you guys, but I just got done watching the Saints uh, beat the the pack out of the Packers. So, uh, you know, all in all, a good weekend for Louisiana, especially compared to last weekend. Uh, but, but how are you guys doing? You know, it's good to be back. Good to be back at Tiger Stadium. Good to be on the podcast with you. Yeah, we got the Saints game on right now. There's like three minutes left, and they're up big on the Packers. So that's that's fun. Um, yeah. They look a lot They look a lot better than Vanilla She does, in my opinion. But um, I'm glad, glad we're going to get, you know, wins for both of our teams this, uh, this weekend. Yeah. Right. Much more lifted spirits. Always feels good to get the, the first win in the book. Obviously it's against McNeese. It's not the, the top tip top opponent, but LSU played better than it did against UCLA. Obviously has still have some things to work on in the next upcoming weeks before we get into sec play, but yeah, game day atmosphere was good, um, which we'll probably get into. And it was fun to be at the game again uh, in tiger stadium, just all the, the emotion and stuff that goes on with that. So uh, happy to be talking about that with y'all today. Right on. Um, well, like, you know, as you said, it's, um, you know, it's good to get the win. And if you look at the score, 34 to seven, you'd think, well, all right, LSU was in control, probably the whole game. But I mean, you, you guys were at the game, touch on it whenever you want. But uh, I was only able to follow along like in a, you know, like a game cast, just watching uh, updates of, of plays. I wasn't able to start streaming until like, mid-second quarter so I missed some of the stuff that you guys probably saw uh but I mean I don't know that I missed that much <laughs> you know correct me if I'm wrong but I mean for a while it was just seven to zero mm-hmm. right so I guess from that aspect you thought well you know unless you scored first again uh that was good and um I don't know um the, the score was obviously more than they put on UCLA, much lesser opponent too, of course. But I don't know. Uh, you know, you saw some, we were able to see, you know, the freshman running backs that we heard about. Uh, some that they've so affectionately called Thunder and Lightning. Uh, Armani Goodwin and Corey Kiner. And I don't know, I saw some good stuff from them. I don't know if we would have saw it last week if they were, you know, put in the game and able to do that because, you know, it was an offensive line issue. All, a different offensive line this week somewhat. But I think all in all, we saw improvements in the offense, right? Obviously, way more improvement to go, but I at least did not see a turnover, and I did not see Max chuck the ball behind his back while facing the opposite goal line. So That's a good point. In my- yeah, you did not see that, that special play, that Max Johnson uh, <laughs> patented yeah uh, so having said that I, I feel like there was an improvement tommy <laughs> would would you agree i mean uh you know tell me tell me tell me what you thought i mean it's hard to it's hard to obviously like a win 
a, a reason, especially if you just look at the, at the final score, like a reasonably dominant, not close win, you got to say that's an improvement. But I'll tell you from, as I watched the game, I did not feel, I was, I just was like, we're not very good. Like we're not, you know, like we're, I, and I, I think that it's, it's, yeah, we beat McNeese and we beat him soundly, but we should beat McNeese soundly. And I still have the bad taste in my mouth from UCLA. I saw a lot of the same issues um, that I saw against UCLA, but it's just that we were playing McNeese. Like it's not going to be, an, you know, like it, we might, you can, Max Johnson can hold the ball a little bit too long or kind of like not kind of be in between scrambling and like moving around the pocket, which is kind of something I see him do where he's it, like, it's like, okay, wait, are you going to run? No, he's not going to run. He kind of backs up, kind of moves around pump fakes a couple of times. Um, against UCLA, he did that a few times and he just got, he got clobbered every time. Like he was waiting too long this time. You know, they actually, I, I do. I was reasonably impressed. UCLA, especially in the first half when you, like you said, Scott, when it was like seven to zero, they were getting some decent pass rush. So, and you and, and you bring up a good point. Like we, I want to say, weren't like three of our five starters benched on the offensive line. Yeah. Like Deculus was out. Ingram was out. And yeah. Um, and what was it? Who else was out? Was Chase and Hines out? So, uh, anyways, I mean, yeah, it's good. It's a good win. I'm glad we got to, you know, glad we're not, um, we're not a losing team right now. Now we're even, you know, we're 500 team, but I'm also not going to not going to really get excited and say, all right, let's, let's go. We're going to win the sec. Yeah. I think the, most of the positives from this game center around, uh, the defensive side of the ball, they definitely stepped up, especially the defensive line. Uh, I think Mason Smith had a huge game, like three sacks. Uh, he, he had a big kind of coming out party. And some, yeah, a lot of players registered tackles, worked in a lot of uh, different rotation players. Jaquil and Roy had a good game too. Yeah, he had a big forced fumble and recovery that was kind of the big not like momentum swing turning play. point against McNeese. Yeah, but I mean, it, it <laughs> game did, changer. It, it did uh, end up giving us a touchdown to take the lead, and then we kind of went from there. But I think what you can say is that we did what we needed to do, and not too much more, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, because there wasn't anything I would say that was disastrously bad, but there wasn't anything that was spectacularly good either. Um, which is kind of a little bit disappointing because you want to see against these kind of lesser opponents, you want to see them like chunk it down the field, uh, long receptions, uh, maybe some some big time flashy interceptions, those type of plays. But this was kind of just plug and chug away the whole game. I think the longest pass we had was 24 yards to Jack Besh. And when your longest, and then that was the longest play of the whole offense because the longest run was 23 yards by Corey Kiner. I mean, when that's your your big play as 24 yards, it's like, uh-oh, what's going on here? And that's what we saw a little bit. The run game was somewhat improved, but was never really getting too off the ground. Uh, and then Max was – it was just the play calling was a little bit strange, mm-hmm. I would say, where they, they weren't testing the McNeese secondary. And Max was similar to UCLA where he didn't look super comfortable and uh, – there was just never that, that point of attack, which inspires you as an offense. He seems so indecisive. You know what I mean? It seems like he's not like I I texted, I texted a buddy of this. There was a play in the second quarter, kind of towards the end of the, end of the half where 
I want to say it was like third down. It was either it was either third and like third and like five, or it was like second and long. But it was like it was a you didn't it was not we weren't a yard away from the first down. You know what I mean? Like we were we there were, we had a chunk of change to get to to get that first down, and they call a, they call a pass play where Max takes the snap and immediately looks to his running back who was to who was standing to his right running a little out route to the flat. And he, he just like stares him down and immediately throws it to him. And it's like a one yard gain for, I don't know if it was Kiner or I don't think it was Goodwin. I think it, I think it was either Kiner or, or Price. Um, but I, I texted a friend and I was like, what kind of progression is this? Like, what are we, you know, like that just does not seem like that should be your first option. Like that should be your, your like immediate instant throw. Like if he's open, throw it. Like usually that's like your, second third you know that's kind of like i don't know it didn't make any sense to me that play call didn't make any sense to me and i think that's something that we see a lot um and it's just i, I don't know it's it is just weird i'll tell you another thing that was weird this might have been you know like daniel i agree with you there was nothing like glaringly bad on the field but i'll tell you what i do think was bad it, it, it if you like at the very end of the first half um mcneese we punted to mcneese and then, and then we had two straight stops. And on second and third down, Coach O called timeouts as if it's like the end of the game and he wants to squeeze another possession out of it, which he did. And then we ended up going like three and out on that possession that we got. And then McNeese did it to us. Like they, they called the timeouts and they, and they ended up with Yeah, the last five minutes of the first half took like 30 minutes in real life and everybody <laughs> in the stadium was like getting very restless. It, everyone was like, what's going on here? Can we just please bizarre. move on? And I'm like, and, and, I, and I texted, I think I, I texted in a group message that Daniel's in and some of my other friends. I was like, if coach, if you don't think coach is not coaching for his job, watch this game right now. He is literally like, he is taking two minute drill down by, down by three point protocol and doing it in the first half against McNeese because he want I, I swear it's because he wanted another possession because he didn't want to go into the, he didn't want to go into halftime, you know, with a, with a little, like, you know, not up, not up by 21. You know what I mean? Like, and, and it, I, I understand it because it's like, yeah, like I, I don't want to, I don't want to be, um, I don't want to be barely beating McNeese either. But I just thought that was – I thought that was bad. I was just like, this is embarrassing. <laughs> it is. But it's like it, it was embarrassing for the whole first quarter. People already could see the writing on the wall somewhat. Um, I, I agree with you. It's like I, I don't blame Coach O, but it, it is a bad look. But in his mind, he's like, oh, my God, I, I cannot go up 7-0 to zero on McNeese in my home. Like, I, he's probably just trying to avoid some booze on the way to the locker room. You know, I swear, I, I, it's literally, he's literally like coaching for his job at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Like that is exactly the mindset is like, um, we, I will, I will do everything in my power to not walk into that locker room only up seven. Right. And and if it looks, if it's embarrassing, I don't care. I'm going to do it. And so it's like, I can't, I get it. But then again, I'm also like, part of me says, if you were confident in your position, and you're confident in like, you know what, we're having, we're not having a great game. And, you know, we got off on the wrong foot this season, but we're going to be all right. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have to do that. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, just kind of, just kind of bad looks from, from 
this from this team that it's just or the way this you know the way we're managing this our program right now and that was one that was glaring to me i was like this is this is this is not how lsu should be should be playing against an fcs opponent i agree uh especially you know especially on offense and this i was gonna ask you guys one question but i'll ask you this one first um do you think like it seemed like they went to this same they went into this game with the same mindset of UCLA. And it's like, you know, you got your scripted plays to start the game. But then after that, I don't know, it just kind of seemed like the same. The offense was just bland. It was just kind of given what they take, what they give us. And I, I would think that, you know what? We, we cannot struggle against McNeese. We know our athletes are better. I mean, that's, just, that's what we would all assume. I think we would be right in that assessment. But I, I don't know, maybe not. But you would think our athletes are better. So if you put them on a one-on-one -on -one situation, they would prevail. It's not going to be a home run hit every time you throw the ball. But still, it's just, you know, your, your guys are going to prevail. But, you know, you just didn't see that really. Um, do you guys think that maybe Jake Peach should have, I don't know, tried some more stuff? Or did he's like, you know what, we got to get the basics down before we open up the playbook. Um, I think it's a little bit of a situation where they know they have a few good key pieces, but they just don't really know how to put the pieces together and make it work. Like you have talent at every aspect of the offensive uh, side of the game, but it's just not meshing the way it should. Mm -hmm. And what is, I think we talked about this last week or the week before, like whether it's a play calling issue or a, a player issue, maybe a mix of both is, is probable. Um, but they, yeah, they need the guidance and, and just, a reshuffling of the map to say like, all right, uh, we can do this better in these ways. Like if we're forcing runs pretty much every first and second down straight into the line, then you become predictable. And McNeese was stopping that. I mean, we had uh, Corey Connor had like 50 yards rushing and tied his price about the same. And, but that's not really going to carry you against a, an sec defense when they mm -hmm. know you're going to run straight at them, they stop you. And then you're trying to throw a slant on like third and seven. Uh, and then you just become so one dimensional so this is where they need to take advantage of the time when they're playing opponents where you can work out some new schemes, some, yep. some new play calls, and then say like, all right, we're going to look through the book and find these things and see what works. I mean, maybe you can say, oh, they're keeping stuff in the back, but uh, that doesn't <laughs> seem like we, we don't have the liberty. <laughs> we don't have the liberty to, to keep things, you know, oh, we're saving it. We don't want to show too much. It's like, no, you've already shown enough. <laughs> like you should everyone has seen enough of y'all like they've seen what you can and can't do uh i mean one thing they did try was at the end of the game i mean we had garrett nussmeyer right, yeah. a lot of freshman wide receivers nussmeyer i think he was three for ten for like 20 yards which is not exactly what you want to see but i think like three of those passes were dropped so his stats would be a lot better i think brian thomas had two drops and then dre jenkins had one as well um but he, he looked better i would say than max in terms of like moving around in the pocket uh, but his, uh, it was mostly just the, the same thing. So I guess it's good to get him some time. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him come out with even more playing time against Central Michigan next week, especially if we get up early. Like you could see maybe almost two full quarters of Garrett Nussmeyer. I, I think that's what we should see. You know, like the ideal, the ideal way these games go is we're up 24 nothing at half and Garrett Nussmeyer comes in and quarterbacks the entire second half and like, Maybe it actually, I actually, I actually think it's better when the second half gets a little bit more competitive because you're basically playing like twos versus their ones, you know, and, and you get to really like experiment and see what, see what you got. But 
you know, that, that, and I've seen it. It's an age old LSU trope almost like this game reminded me of Daniel. Remember when we went to like one of the, like one of the games we went to in high school, we went to Towson state versus LSU. It was raining. So Odell Beckham's last year at LSU. Um, we were like, we were like tied with Towson state by the, in like the end of the first quarter. And I think we were like only up by like seven going in. It's the same kind of thing. Like we're, we're, we're notoriously good at playing down and keeping letting people just stay in the game. And that's something that we didn't do in 2019. And that's why we were so dominant. I think, I think that we were really, really good at getting in and executing like right off the bat. Um, I mean, it's just, I, I just have to, I, like, I just sum it up. Like I told people, people were texting me, like, what's going on? What do you think? What do you think? Last night I was like, we're just not very good. Yeah. And I don't, I can't really put my finger on exactly. Like I can't diagnose exactly like what it is because I think just all around, we're just not very good. Linebacking, not very good. Offensive yeah. line, not very good. Uh, I guess defensive line, decent. Um, I think we need a lot more production out of our DNs. The deep, the, the, uh, Interior linemen seem to be pretty good. Uh, you know, corners, good. I think Eli Ricks is really playing well this year, but um, safety's not very good. Quarterbacks, not very good. Maybe we're kind of good. You know, it's, it's just it's just like a middling middling to to bad on almost everything. Yeah, and uh, just to add to that. Um, Normally what LSU has had, even if the offense was kind of flustering, it's like they always had a good defense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Kirk Herbstreit was talking about this on college game day. Oh, he let us have it. Yeah, he did. And, you know, I'm not mad at him. I, mm-hmm. I, I can't really refute anything that he said. He seemed, he seemed upset. He seemed more upset than Coach O did after the first game. But yeah. it's like everything he said I thought was true. He's like the guy, and he named all the, you know, all the guys from DBU, all these great players, even Devin White, and, you know, everybody in the LSU defense, because that's what he said is, if nothing else, LSU always had a stout defense and guys that, you know, could hit, could tackle, could do all this. And it played and, at 110%. Yeah, and we don't really have that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's a culture thing or just individual players or what. Maybe that's just on the coaches. But, um, well, you know, we'll get to defense in a second. But you know, just as far as offense goes, yeah, you can't really put your finger on it because it's everything. You know, the offensive line, which we thought was going to be a strength with, you know, five guys returning, well, one left. But, you know, still, it's like four guys returning and some, one guy returning that already had starts under his belt. You would think wouldn't be too much of an issue. But after that first game, it was. This game – we had to shuffle in some guys because some guys were hurt. You know, they did okay, but, you know, it still wasn't the same thing. So then you look at Max and the receivers. Max did okay. You know, he's under duress. Like, if it was – luckily, it wasn't as bad as UCLA, but it's like he was still under duress against mm-hmm. Big Knee State. You know, what, what's he going to do? That means the running backs can't run either. Uh, luckily, you know, Armani Goodwin had a long run. Corey Kiner had a long run. He showed – like, I finally got to see what he's got. Glad we got to see that. Like, it wasn't – that wasn't about the line. That was just about him – you know, just showing his stuff and getting in the end zone, which is great. But it's like the same thing I saw last week that I saw this week, consistencies. We were consistently dropping passes. Yeah. And like that's that's what makes Max look bad to me. That's what makes the line look bad. It's like they can't extend a drive because these guys are dropping passes on third and seven. It's like in their hands, no less. Not like it was right at his fingertips and, oh, could he have got it or could he – I don't know. No, these guys are dropping – passes and there's no excuse for that there's really not like if you're going to say because you know people want to say oh you know dbu dbu sure 
Uh, but, you know, could LSU be wide receiver you? You know, we had two guys drafted, uh, you know, in the first round back to back. But uh, what do we have now? We have guys dropping passes. We didn't have that two, three years ago. So I don't know. I think that that just does not help things. As far as offense goes, yeah, we saw some improvements. Um, Garrett, yeah, I mean, but if you look at the numbers, though, yeah, they weren't great. If you look at the numbers, meh, you know, Max, I mean, he had three TDs, which is what he had last week. He had way more passing yards, I think like 60 or 80 more passing yards. But, uh, you know, the, the running was there a little bit more this week. So, I don't know, we're putting it together. I think it's, we're you know, we're lucky that we have Central Michigan coming in next week. Um, we can talk about them a little bit later, but uh, I don't know. I think it was just good to get a win, just good to feel like the offense could move the ball. Maybe that's, you know, they probably should have started with McNeese before they went to UCLA. Maybe we probably might have had a different outcome. I don't know. But still, we are who we are. But yeah. we're And then a, cu- a couple more bright points, I guess, to, I mean, it's been a lot of negatives so far, but like Keishon Butte had another decent game. He, yeah. he only had like five catches for 50 yards, but two two more touchdowns. He leads the country in touchdowns right now oh, wow. with five. Yeah, he's the only player in the country with five touchdowns. Uh, and then Cade York, big time kicker. Yep. At least that's like the one thing we can lean on <laughs> when he, he broke the Tiger Stadium distance record twice in the same game, yeah. the 55 and the 56 yarder. Uh, plus all four extra points. So I got a, a stud there. And Jack Besh had a good game. Yeah, he played well, four yeah. catches, 57 yards. Um, and then, like we saw in the Florida game last year, it can come down to a field goal. Uh, so thankfully, we got Cade York there. And what I was going to say when you're talking about uh, a little bit earlier about the team just like not putting it together, it's almost a situation where it's just the sum or the total is less than the sum of the parts. Yep. Where, yeah, like sometimes the team will just mesh and kind of rise to the occasion more than the talent they have. And player, like maybe one player, like a Joe Burrow, will make everyone better. Yeah, and so you see this kind of sometimes consistently at different programs. Like I think about maybe like Iowa or Wisconsin where like they don't have the top recruits every year. they got some good players, but just the, it seems like their teamwork and their game yeah. plan is always pretty solid where like they're a top 15, top 10 team. But LSU is kind of the opposite of that where we have the top talent, but then it, it kind of collapses in the big moments and then everybody's kind of fighting for their their own goals i guess you could say daniel you bring up an excellent point this is something i was talking to friend of the pod Stuart Hanna, about you know coach at rummel so he he um he's in the business he he knows a lot of the recruits that have come through he knows some of the, you know knows a lot of the players on the on lsu's team right now and on teams across the country and that's something i've been thinking about and i, I and like i feel like you know, every year LSU has a top five recruiting class, pretty much always. Like, but I do wonder, are we just recruiting? Like, do we just pull, like, what's better and what's more successful? Do we go and we do, we, we just recruit the highest rated people we can, no matter what. It's like, okay, if he's a five-star, he's got, he's ours. If he's a four-star, he's ours. Three-star, no. Or are we really, really going out there and saying like, we need a guy who's six foot two, 210 pounds and he runs this fast and he can bench this much and he plays outside linebacker. And we want him to be able to do, we want him to be able to be a cover guy. And we want him to be able to rush the passer. It's like stuff like that. Do we, and then we say, okay, let's go find that guy. Oh, he happens to be a five-star. Okay. We're going to have to put in a lot of work for him or, Oh, bam, we, maybe we got a sleeper. He's a three-star. I feel like sometimes, you know, you'll see Alabama, um, which is, I mean, pretty much no question the best recruiting program as far as like 
hitting every single year. You rarely hear about a bust from their program, right? Like I, I can think of one recently, Ishmael Sofsher, who was a guy who we desperately wanted at LSU. We fought and clawed and tooth and nail. It came down to signing day and he went to Alabama. He's not even on their team anymore. Um, but I do wonder, it's like, sometimes you'll see on Alabama, like if you went and looked at, at their, some of their recruiting classes, you'll see like a couple guys where it's like, why do they want him? Like he's, that's random. He's yeah, like a they random will three still star. have Yeah. Like three or four three-star players or whatever at the bottom. And you're like, huh? And it's like, wait, but they could have anybody, right? Like they can get almost every five. So they could have an entire team of five stars. If they, if they worked really hard, like if they, if that was their goal, I feel like they could do it. If anybody could, it'd be them or, or Ohio state's kind of the same way. But I wonder if, you know, I wonder if like when they're looking, it's like, we don't really care if they're a five-star or, or a three-star or whatever. It's like, if they fit the bill of what we need, what we need for our, for what we want to do, then we're going to go get that guy. And so I, I, sometimes I do wonder, and I think about, I think you're right, Daniel, like Wisconsin or Iowa, or um, I mean, one of the, one of the great examples, I guess, is like some of the service schools, like, mm-hmm. like, you know, Navy army, it's like they literally have to rec- – because they know they're not going to get, like, top talent. So they literally have to recruit people that can do, like, their scheme, and that's it. And so I wonder if, like, are we just – is our is our talent evaluation or talent development almost too based on just, like, raw – like, raw athletic well, athleticism? Well, on the flip side, you, you could say a school like Texas maybe or, like, Florida State where, like, these are – well, maybe not Florida State in the most recent years, but – these are like top rated programs, but they always seem to play like below what they can. Like they have the ability to beat anybody. And I think LSU can do that too. Like last year we took down Florida. And I think this team can still do that. Like yeah. you see the promise and like it can, they can pop off at any moment, but then at the same time they can fall off. So it's kind of a risk reward, like high ceiling, low floor. Situation. So you have to say, but, but I guess what you're saying is like, well, why is it like Texas has all the resources to be a mega powerhouse, mm-hmm. right? Like, and, and so, like, why aren't they? Hey, where does the breakdown occur? Yeah. And then could that be something that we are also suffering from? I don't mm-hmm. really know. We're getting more philosophical than on-field issues. Well, I think it's important, though. I mean, it's a, it, this. We're we're at a point right now where I think that if it, it, we're obviously thinking about it, I know I am. And if the higher ups at, at LSU aren't, that that's that's a problem. This is a really a, a turning point for this program. Like, you can't keep you can't keep this kind of play up for too long because then you start to get that, that taste in your mouth of like recruits start to say, I don't know if I want to go there. Like you get, you know, last year we had probably one of the, we had the worst season that LSU had in probably since like the nineties. Right. And, and we still had a top recruiting class that shows, that shows like, that's not, that's not on the field performance that's LSU that's that's like being able to sell a vision for the future and say look I know that this year wasn't that good but by the time you're a junior or you're a sophomore or you're a senior at this school we're going to be competing for a championship that can you can only sell that for so long you can only say like hey just please hold on don't worry it'll get better and so like I think that that's something that really needs to be thought of is like how are we doing you know what is what is our vision for the future because I don't think anybody on this podcast right now would say look, we're competing. We're going to the playoff this year, but right. we all want to be there next year or the year after. Right. And I would say, you know, two years ago, you could definitely sell that, but there'd have to be, you know, a, a maintaining of that, of that stature, which, you know, we haven't done obviously, but like even back to the last few years of the miles tenure, 
you know, like what the, you could see what they're trying to start selling was, you know, NFLSU. Yeah, you can go to the NFL super quick and it hurts the program. Yeah, yeah, it's because now you're looking at uh, like a John Calipari uh, type program, but in football. It's mm-hmm. like you can come here, just play three years, and then you can go to the NFL and you're going to make a lot of money. That's good, but, you know, that's that's all those guys see it as. It's basically one and done, but for college football because you have to do three years. Mm-hmm. But it's like, what was it? Uh, I just saw something recently where John Calipari just landed like the top basketball recruit this year mm-hmm. and the, it was like the, the top one in the country but the last time he got the top guy was like 2012 it, with Nerland's noel and you know it's that's a long span but like mm-hmm. what what have they done all in between it's like he's but that's the thing though is calipari can at least get you to i don't know maybe the sweet 16 unless it's an off year sometimes the final four it's like he that's what he sells them on but it's like he can take that talent and at least do something with it. As long as LSU can do something with the talent they have, like if they were always consistently second or third in the ACC West, I think that goes, you know, that would play to what you're saying, Tom. He's like, well, why would I want to come here if LSU is always like a middling, you know, like a bottom SEC West program? Mm-hmm. Hopefully that could change that. But it's like what they need to do is going back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, these three stars that have potential. It's they need to go and find those guys like a Tyran Matthew, you know, uh, the, the year 2011, so like Tyron Matthew was the best player on that team. Yep. Uh, the quarterback, both of them, whoever they, you know, whether it's Justin Jefferson or Jerry Lee, neither one of those guys were, you know, the best quarterbacks in the country. But, you know, they didn't need to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone else around them was so good. Even the running backs, Michael Ford, Spencer Ware. I mean, I don't believe those guys were five-star, right? Like, those are probably three- and four-star guys. But it's like there was something about the the program that just allowed them to flourish, and I don't know. I think that's what's missing right now is like you can tell we have talent We're we're signing top recruits at position players. But I, I don't know. Um, it's like they're not having the chance to flourish. So hopefully that changes. But um, I don't know. I, I would say, you know, Mason Smith kind of flourished a little bit yeah. against a lesser opponent. But he kind of saw what, you know, we would hope to see out of him. He got like you said, Daniel, he had three sacks. Uh, yeah, Jacqueline Roy had a couple fumble recoveries, which is great. That's what we wanted. It's what we wanted to see last week. Um, I think the defense, you know, as much as, is anything that you would want to say is like, Oh, well, well, there is this and that we need to work on this, or this is still bad, or that still needs, uh, some tweaking guy. I mean, they, they still hold, they still held, excuse me. They still held McNeese to Kai. What was it like less than. They had 100, 140 yards of offense, so yeah, that's, it doesn't that's get too much better than that. Yeah, it's like I, I know they didn't hold Towson to that back in the day. You know, it's like there's been other games where they would allow, like they would, the score would still look lopsided, but they would allow some team to rack up like 400-something yards. So we got to give the defense credit for that. Um, there was really only one play. Like I thought it was going to be a shutout. It probably should have been, but then they had this one play where the guy just – it was like a wide open channel. He just had to, he was like in the middle of the Mississippi, just, just finding the the weaves. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know, I guess it was late in the game. They didn't see it coming. It's good for them. They, you know, they got one by the goalie, so to speak, but I, I don't know. Do you, uh, let me ask you guys, this was the question I was going to ask earlier. Uh, one last question about the offense, just cause I, I didn't get to ask it yet. Do you think things would be any different if, uh, if miles was healthy and ready to go? I think things would be somewhat different because I think Miles has the the confidence, 
the poise and the arm strength to be more of a downfield threat than Max Johnson, who has most of those characteristics, but I don't really think in the same capacity. Uh, and maybe Miles doesn't bring as much to the offense in terms of kind of running, running gun dynamic, dynamic, I'm losing a dynamic word, uh, <laughs> dynamic uh, potential that Max Johnson has, but yeah, he, like, he can sling it more. We've seen that plenty of times. Uh, he was one of the leaders in the country in passing yards before he got hurt last year. So I think that opens up your playbook a little bit more. Um, whether the results would have been the same, I think, yeah, pretty close, but uh, it does give you more options yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. I, I actually don't think it'd be much different because it's like, yeah, you, you do get, maybe you get a little bit more of a downfield threat, but you trade mobility in the pocket. And as we've seen the past two weeks, um, you need like to our, 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 we, you need mobility in the pocket. Our offense is a turnstile. And so I feel like we'd see a lot of sacks. I feel like we'd see, um, you know, maybe, maybe some sack strips or, you know, or strip sacks and, you know, losing the ball at, at, from the quarterback. So, it, you know, it could be, maybe you might see something different on the box score, but I'm not convinced that if we just had, you know, Miles Brennan back that we'd be 2-0 and right now. Yeah, I don't know that I could say that as well. Um, I don't know that O would have gone to him. Like if, because, you know, we were saying how would it play out? Would Max be the starter or would Miles? So let's say Max won the job and he started against UCLA. Like, I don't even know that they would have gone to Miles. Maybe, probably, you know, if it was that bad. But until like the fourth quarter was still close. So maybe they'd have thought, well, let's see if Max can gut it out. But I, I think, um, in addition to what you just said, you know, about mobility in the pocket, I just, I mean, no matter who's a quarterback, we still have the same offensive line. Yep. You know, we still have the same running backs. Like yeah. the, there, yeah. there's no, there's very little uh, threat from the running game. There's very little threat uh, from as, as far as passing goes out of the backfield. So yeah, we, we didn't mention his name, but John Emery was once again once, MIA. Yeah, there's a reason why we didn't mention his name. He was on the sidelines in plain clothes. <laughs> yeah, the, I didn't hear whether he was still academically ineligible, but I assume that's the case, and the, I wouldn't think that's changing anytime soon, at least from what we know. I heard for I heard I, I actually did a little bit of reporting, investigative reporting on this. I talked to somebody close to the program who said it is uh, he is in it is academics. He's on his third appeal right now. As far as like he's appealing his academic ineligibility, um, I don't really know how that works. But the the only thing that's kind of weird, and, and when I asked about this, he didn't address he didn't he didn't really address it. But I heard that there's an NCAA rule that if you're academically ineligible, you can't be on the field. You can't or you can't be on the sideline. Like you can't you know be present with the team. But he's been at both games, so that is kind of strange to me. But from what I've heard. It is academic ineligibility, and he's he's in some sort of appeal process. And this right. is like third time. Like yeah. he's been he's been battling back and forth with this for a while now. Yeah. Well, and Coach O was asking about it leading up to this game, and he said, "Well, it, he made it sound like it was going to be like a last minute decision. It's like, well, we he's ready to go. We're just waiting on the word." Yeah. Uh, and I get well, shucks, you know, we didn't get the word, so I guess he's not playing this week making it seem like he'd be ready to go next week or ready to go against Mississippi state. But I don't know. Uh, to me, it's like, if, if you're at, a, if you're waiting on an appeal, you probably have a date. You have a date for that appeal, unless you're just waiting on the, you know, the final ruling from the appeal. But it's like, if, if his 
appeal is not until Friday. I, you know, that's the only thing I can understand, but I, I, I don't know. I guess it doesn't matter. Like you said, you know, it's just, Again, like, I don't know if John Emery being on the field turns us into a, uh, you know, does that, does that give us a win against UCLA or does that, does that make it 57 to seven? Nah, probably not. <laughs> Y'all want to talk about um, some of the other games this past week? Well, I did want to touch on special teams really quickly because, like you said, Cade York set the record for a longest field goal in Tiger Stadium. He also set – well, I don't know if it's – I guess it's a record. It's like no one has ever hit two plus 50 yarders in Tiger Stadium before either, Ooh. and he did that. So that's worth mentioning. Kudos to him. I will say uh, Avery Atkins had himself a busy day. Uh, living up to his part of the 18 uh, – uh, uh, reputation and I, he did that this is uh, not to get into offense again but you know he punted seven times too right? many against McNeese <laughs> 200 yeah, exactly way too many times to punt against McNeese we don't have to get into that again but just worth noting but I also thought he had like a really good tackle I don't know if you yeah, guys... I did see that yeah that was really <laughs> yeah. good <laughs> uh, but the, the only other thing that stood out to me as far as special teams Again, it's like it seems like it's non-existent for us as far as like once we get the ball. Our kicking is good, no question about that. I think our punting is good to you know, average to good. Avery's doing a good job there. I think he's averaging like 40 something a punt, which is fine. It's all you need. But I did notice this because this is something that I thought it's gonna help us this year, you know, because LSU is still trying to find itself. Punt returns. We had three punt returns, which is crazy because you'd think McNeese would have punted way more than that. But they punted three times, and our, our return yardage totaled four yards. I, <laughs> I I had to look it up again, but four yards. And I don't know. That's just – it's – we didn't we didn't bobble the ball. We didn't give up the ball. We didn't fumble. We didn't, you know, muff a punt. We didn't get pinned inside the two-yard line all good things. I just feel like that's an area where LSU could probably improve to maybe help us with some field position, maybe even a random touchdown. I don't know. I I feel like they've had that before. Um, They just, it's just sorely missing right now, but that's, that's all I had for this week. Um, Do you guys have anything to add to that? Because there's plenty of other college football across the spectrum, which we can get into way worse than what we were just talking about. But um, yeah, we were talking about Texas not living up to their expectations. They dropped a big one against Arkansas, about t- almost 20 at Arkansas, the old South West Conference matchup. Yeah. Now coming into this SEC, Texas uh, had a rough introduction. So that was bad. And yeah. then the, Welcome the big, to the SEC. This is a huge win for Arkansas. Right. I mean, and I mean, we watched Ole Miss beat Louisville last week, and we're like, "Oh, Ole Miss is good." Ole now, Miss is going to be good. Yeah. Now Arkansas beats Texas. We're like, "Oh, Arkansas is good." So there's right. games that are left on our schedule that we're like, "These are pretty favorable for LSU." Now we're like, "These are maybe 50-50 matchups." I think that okay. After I think after after next week, um, so after next week we're going to be going into SEC play. I think we might need to revise our uh, revise our <laughs> our uh, our record predictions, right? Because. Uh, well, you say that, yeah, Ole Miss looks better. Arkansas looks good. But, like, to me, A&M does not look as good. Like, they yeah. won 10-7 to 7 at Colorado. Granted, they lost their quarterback in the first quarter, but uh, I, I, I don't need that excuse. They well, still so if, you, if, you, I mean, if you take if you take Jimbo at his word, 
uh, it was a back and forth the entire camp between oh, yeah. uh, Haynes King and what is it, Zach Gal- Zach Calzada, I think his name is. Yeah, so you, you know, theoretically, they should be fine with either guy. Should be all firing all cylinders. I mean, their yeah. defense is really good, but their offense is leaving a little bit to be desired. Uh, yeah. The big the big game was at Oregon versus Ohio State, and then seeing Ohio State go down at home was pretty crazy. Uh, Oregon played well. Um, yeah. Their running back CJ Verdell had like. 200 yards and three touchdowns or something. Uh, so maybe the Pac-12 finally has a contender. I think UCLA is playing well as also, although USC did lose uh, to Stanford. Yeah. yeah, they got they got destroyed actually. Uh, but I would, did want to mention this. <laughs> it's you could kind of tell where how that game was going to go. Speaking of kickers uh, tackling, their kicker got ejected on the opening kickoff for targeting. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, you gotta respect the passion man what game was i watching where there was like 15 targeting fouls that was uh wasn't that georgia clemson mm. right there's like four guys ejected in the oh yeah you're right actually it, yeah it was georgia clemson and, and then something similar i think happened in the old miss game too old miss louisville right but um, yeah but wow just imagine getting kicked out of the game in the first in the kickoff it just just bizarre but there were upsets as far as Ohio state goes. I was able to watch, I don't know, a good portion of that. Um, I think, uh, you know, you could see it last week, Ohio state had a, a long time to get going against Minnesota. Same with Oregon, although Oregon was just ahead most of the game and Ohio state was trying to play catch up. They were for a while, but Oregon was able to hold them off. And I'll say this um, for all the talent that Ohio state has, CJ Stroud is no Justin Fields. Yep. And I think that's going to be their downfall this year, unless they can get I things. Agree. I mean, I had good stats, but just, you could tell it's not the same level. Well, but again, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, I think that, and I said it, I think I said it, you know, after our week one pod and, I, and I'll keep saying it today, you know, again, like we got, I think we, I think as a whole college football viewers or have got, have been spoiled over the past like three years by seeing Trevor Lawrence from basically snap one be almost unbeatable. Justin yeah. Fields from the first meaningful snap he took for in college football at Ohio State being almost unbeatable. Burrow, you know, after a year, after an okay year, coming back year two, unbeatable. Mac Jones, the first meaningful snaps he's really taken, unbeatable. So I, I think that, you know, it's almost like, and, and you see this with, um, I mean, you know, these upsets are being like, these are, these are gambling upsets too. Like you're seeing a lot of underdogs winning. I think it might be that same thing. Like DJ has gone down for Clemson. CJ Stroud's gone down for, uh, for Ohio state. Um, the jury's still on them. Uh, you know, will, will Alabama lose a game this year? Maybe not They're They seem to be real tough, but, uh, I think you're right. Like CJ Stroud, he, it doesn't mean he's not good. It doesn't mean he's not going to be good for them, but it's just, he's not going to be, He's not the day one plug and play NFL ready starter that right. just is going to happen is going to happen to play for three years at Ohio State. Right. Uh, just really want to toss out three other. Well, I would say two. You guys tell me if this third one's an upset or not. So, so Utah lost to BYU, which you know BYU is about to enter the Big Twelve. So good for them. Uh, I don't know if it was really just a big upset. It was just Utah was ranked, BYU was not. FSU lost on a Hail Mary. Did you guys see that one? Yeah, it's a FCS Jacksonville State. Yeah. 
a week after we, almost beating Notre Dame on like yeah. a miraculous comeback. And then you have a probably the worst loss in the past 25 years, maybe more than that in program history. Uh, it's gotta be, gotta be tough. Yeah. Yeah. That's their app state. If you're Michigan, like that's, yeah. that's, that's how that is. Um, so, uh, but what about this? I imagine Tennessee fans felt like it was an upset, but Purdue just handed it to Tennessee at, you know, in Neyland stadium. I don't think it was really an upset because Tennessee is just not, they're not where they were in, you know, in the nineties, if you want to go back that far. Uh, but not really an upset to me, but just well, I think Tennessee played Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. Pittsburgh. I'm sorry. Pittsburgh. <laughs> uh, it may start with a P yeah. The, the big P, but that is kind Penn of State. tough to see Pittsburgh come in and beat Tennessee. Although Purdue did beat UConn. Although that's like, UConn's like the worst team in the country. Uh, After their coach like resigned, like yeah. was forcibly resigned. <laughs> the first game, right? Yeah. Like he's yeah. resigning at the end of the season, but. Uh, I'll just finish out the season, but I'm resigning now, just so you know. <laughs> um, but going back to what you uh, to Notre Dame, it's like they almost lost to Toledo too. So that's two weeks in a row that they almost lost. I, I and, you know, yeah. And speaking of Purdue, Purdue plays Notre Dame next week. Uh, uh, yeah. So Purdue's been okay. So the, the Irish may be on upset watch yet again. That'd be a big win for the Boilermakers. Yeah, and I Got think Toledo relations there. I think Toledo plays Ohio State. Uh, but, I mean, if they could almost take down Notre Dame, either Notre Dame's not that good or Toledo's pretty good. Again, A&M almost lost on the road to Colorado. Uh, I don't know. I, I still think, like, that's – if they, they were ranked number five, right? Like, that that should have been well in hand. I don't care if they lost their QB. It's like you're – I don't know. I, I don't think A&M's going to be that good. Um, and then Miami almost almost lost as well to to App State uh that one was going back and forth for a while they even had a cat fall from the rafters uh well i saw that that was that was kind of legendary (laughs) yeah uh but you know i just all this points to the fact that what we said earlier about this just being it's like this season is ripe for upsets Mm -hmm. and i expect more maybe lsu could be on the positive side of those yeah Um, but uh just this season already just seems out of whack I think that this is going to be, especially like you said, with all the upsets, like these, these losses are going to really like, like this Oregon, Ohio state loss, um, or the, the loss for Ohio state in this Oregon game, that's going to come to play. I think when the committee, you know, when the committee meets, um, but for both teams, actually, like I, I would, I can, I would imagine Ohio state will probably win out, um, and, or, or, they'll i would think they'll probably win the big uh the big 10 so you're gonna have a big 10 champion but he's lost but they lost to oregon then of course like you said ucla is looking good so what if they knock off oregon you know that could be there's a lot of dynamics going around especially then the georgia clemson loss like the clemson's loss there georgia of course now is is in pretty much the catbird seat as far as making the playoff but they're probably going to win out the rest i mean they they weren't even starting their they they didn't start JT Daniels and then they beat um who they play by like maybe them by like 54 points um uh yeah no Georgia beat UAB UAB UAB, yeah they beat them by a bunch so uh yeah I think I think these upsets I I would imagine there's probably gonna be more to come just because there always is especially as as you as you get more of the heart like this is this is the time when everyone should probably usually typically everybody's kind of taking care of business and then you really get to the to the matchups but in, a, in about four weeks we're going to be playing conference play good on good um so I, yeah i think it's, it's going to be an interesting year i think it's going to be probably might this is shaping up to be 
and it's only week two, but I feel like it's shaping up to be maybe one of the most kind of controversial years as far as like playoff or as far as like postseason um, in a long time. Yeah. Maybe since the BCS era. Yeah, totally. I think LSU has an opportunity to play spoiler here because, um, you know, however we see our team now, towards the end of last season, they kind of pulled it together and pulled out a couple wins we probably didn't think beforehand that they might yeah. have, you know, against Florida, Ole Miss. But uh, I don't know. I think there's still plenty in the tank. You know, Miles is coming back. Everyone hopefully will be healthy. Uh, you know, we got another warm-up game before we play Mississippi State. So we'll see. But, yeah, I think this season is just going to be all – over the place as far as uh, strength of schedule and wins and losses, like uh, all the teams, like pretty much all the good teams in the, uh, well, except for Michigan, really in the big 10 have a loss. Um, most everyone in the ACC has a loss already uh, in the SEC, just Georgia. Uh, I think, well, most Auburn scored 60 points for two straight games. First time since like, before World War II. <laughs> so I, I don't know. You could say they look good. I don't think Bo Nix played. It was mostly TJ, but I mean, they a lot, they had some non-offensive touchdowns. So I, I don't know. I don't know how to gauge that. It's like, they, I feel like a team like that, you know, who starts out so amazing, scores 62 points against way lesser opponents. But, you know, um, that somebody like that might be right for a letdown, which LSU would be happy to play a part in. But, you know, I guess we'll see. Um, I think LSU has some games to, you know, get, get some things going. Um, particularly next week, another, I hate to say it, because you know, it kind of just automatically lessens your opponent, but it's a warm-up game against Central Michigan. And I would say that it's along the lines of McNeese, but uh, Central Michigan has already actually played um, an SEC opponent in Missouri. They lost 34-24. to 24. So just looking at what I did with Central Michigan, um, they had a quarterback. I don't know if it was his starting quarterback, but he actually got shot <laughs> like two, two weeks before the season started at some off-campus party. Oh uh, somebody, somebody else got shot. Everyone's fine. They're all good now. But I, I don't know. I, I feel like that might have been their starter. I'm not sure. Um, but their, their quarterback – they did good against, I don't know, I think it was called Robin Morris or something, some some school called Robin Morris, uh, Robert, Robert Morris, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they won 45 nothing. can't really tell anything from that. But against Missouri, uh, they lost 34 to 24. And just looking at the stats, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know what Central Michigan is really good at because they're kind of equal in both. They were just, I don't know. I don't really know what to base it off Missouri either because they just lost to Kentucky and went down to the wire. I think it went down to like uh, the last eight minutes or so. Kentucky yeah. pulled it out. But looking at all that, I don't know. I, I feel like, if anything, maybe Central Michigan's slightly better than McNeese, but still not someone that you, know, you got to take lightly. Uh, I think LSU has to come out and just steamroll them, you know, start better than they did. I think that's what plagues LSU is they just don't start great it's like if you could just come out and just knock them in the teeth and go up 14 nothing great who cares after that if it's you know the offensive kind of slow still you score two more touchdowns you know you're up 28 nothing and a half there you go yeah I think for this game we're gonna see LSU at least I would hope uh work a little more wrinkles into the playbook do some more in the passing game uh and then like you said Central Michigan maybe a little bit better than McNeese and it'll end up somewhere around like 42, 14, uh, 
LSU wins, but maybe, yeah, Central Michigan puts up a few points and then uh, we move on to, to Mississippi State after that for hopefully a, a better LSU uh, SEC test. But I, there's not really too much to say against these opponents. Right. The only thing that I, the only thing I'll say is, and I'm a little bit, maybe I'm a little bit more pessimistic, but when I when I look at a, at a uh, 34-24 score against Missouri, I, that looks to me like they played reasonably close. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know how much better we are than Missouri. I, I mean, I'm still as I think about our team right now. I you know we're going to go on the road to Kentucky, and I watched some of that Kentucky Missouri game yesterday. Like I feel like we might have trouble with them. You know, yeah. we had a lot. They they run the they're running the ball a lot. They're they're um, they're trying run. to be more balanced now. Yeah. They, they they've added a little bit more passing attack, but they're still a run heavy team, and that's what gave us a lot of trouble against UCLA. And and so I, I you know it, of course you can never really do the football schedule math where it's like oh well they beat they lost to this team by this much and we're playing them and then we beat the team that beat them so that we should win that always like doesn't really work. But properties exactly. Yeah. But I do think that we better not take them lightly. You know, we better not be looking ahead and looking up to next week and saying, okay, well, let's, we'll just get through this week and go to Mississippi State. Like, I, I really hope we, are, we have an intense week of practice. I hope that we have a, a focused week and that we go out there and just execute and get in, knock the, knock the cover out, uh, off the ball, and then get out. You know what I mean? It needs to be a, it needs to be a clean, quick game. Um, and I don't want to see Coach O just milking, <laughs> milking possessions out of this game um, in the first quarter, first half again. Like, like, like he's like he's down by a touchdown with two, thirty seconds left in the in the fourth quarter, and he wants to go for it on the thirty on fourth down because he just cannot go into the halftime with this with this uh situation yeah uh i agree with you and i i feel like they have to take it to him and they have to they, they should they have to it's like if you cannot dominate against mcneese in the first half or central michigan you know it's just it's a hope and a prayer really and like don't rest. you don't you want to do that like don't the, isn't that the, that's like which that's what it should be about you should be with these games it should be we need to impose our will on these teams yeah like we need to go in there and completely control the game to where like they can't even they have no they have no choice like they yeah. will lose it's not it's not a it's not a matter of if it's it's just they will and i i don't feel like we we did not you know Tyre Matthew tweeted about it after the UCLA game he said we did not like dictate anything in that game i agree with him and i don't think we necessarily dictated anything i think that it was i think that that the, the past two games have been very similar in that we all of our success is based on our talent meaning we have like we've talked about earlier today we've got a bunch of five and four stars that start all across on both sides of the ball and against mcneese those guys can't handle it they play in the fcs it's gonna they're you're gonna i'm sorry like you know you're just not gonna be able to beat it but in division one power five you know they that's where coaching kind of puts you above puts you it puts you and and game plan and execution and focus puts you just one step ahead and and that's how we got beat yeah uh, i do think it was interesting though that and you know it it should not go without mentioning that you know coach o had to coach against his own son yeah which, <laughs> how often does that happen in you know in college football usually your son joins your team even if he's not going to be your starting quarterback you know he's on the 
he's on the bench. He's putting in signals on the sideline with a red vest or something. But guy chose to go to McNeese so he could play. Kudos to him. Um, and, you know, he'll do fine. But, yeah, he had to coach against his own son. He had to play against his dad's team. I thought that was interesting storyline. I thought it was even funnier, though, that, like, at the last minute, Coach O said his son called him. was like, yeah, Dad, I need, uh, I need four tickets. <laughs> I did hear that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, all right, yeah, I'm going to beat your butt tomorrow. But, yeah, okay, I'll give you four tickets. That's fine. I always wondered if Coach O was like, guys, I want you to – you know, get some get some sacks, get some tackles behind the line, but just just don't hurt my boy. Don't, don't hurt him. Don't break him. Don't anything. hurt my boy. <laughs> right? Uh, but anyway, uh, we don't have to worry about that going forward because I don't think he has any more sons uh, playing. Anyway, they're, they're coaching with LSU. Uh, we've covered Central Michigan. We've covered all of college football, and I think that about does it. Um, looking forward to Central Michigan. We hope to have another – talking tigs like we did this week where we can just talk about what we improved on and maybe what still needs to be worked out before Mississippi state. But, uh, all right, well, that, I mean, that that's all of it. But before we head out, I just did want to check back in with you guys since you were at the game, you know, it's the first game in tiger stadium this season. They were going to open it up to everybody. Uh, I could see in the stands, you know, I could see the student section was full. I don't mm-hmm. know about the rest of the stadium it looked kind of, uh, you know, hit or miss, but, how was it for you guys? First game back in Tiger Stadium. I think it was a, a pretty good overall experience. It was definitely much better than last year. Um, as far as the game day tailgating scene, it wasn't the most I'd ever seen, but it was, yeah, like much better. People were out grilling, cooking, having a good time. Uh, I was very, RVs. yeah, I was happy to see that. The Touchdown Village, which is like the big RV park, was maybe 75% full. Um but yeah, we were tailgating on the parade grounds, had a really good time. Thankfully, the weather was not too hot. It was, a it was real bit, nice weather. It, it was warm, but like as the day went on, it cooled off and we were all good. Um, had some good food. And then for the game itself, uh, like you had mentioned, the student section was basically packed, uh, which, yeah. was, which was awesome. Last year, uh, it was a ghost town. And then this, they were loud and they were proud. Um, most people, maybe not most, but about half left around halftime, which is, you get that no matter what. But as far as the rest of the stadium, I'd say it was maybe 75% capacity. Yeah, um, I think it was official Official sold tickets was 94,000. Yeah, but like you could see some some gaps in there, especially yeah. in the upper deck. Uh, so I'd say maybe 75% full, and that thins out as it does as the game went along. But yeah, much better um, having the band marching on the field the pregame was was cool because last year they did it in the stands and it just doesn't give you the same effect as when they're kind of pivoting to each corner yeah. of the stadium and, and getting the crowd pumped up also they had like a really cool halftime performance uh it was like kind of a 9-11 tribute uh which was it was pretty apt and, and emotional and then they like joined with the mcneese band to do that which i thought was cool yeah um but yeah i had a good time and hopefully it's even more full for central michigan uh, looking forward to that another night game 6 30 so uh, good season so far, at least at home. Yeah, no, I, I was glad. To, I was glad to be back, and I was glad that it that it was uh, as packed as it was. Of course, it's it wasn't as packed as maybe you want to see it. But then again, the first game of the season when it's like kind of a cupcake team, like there, it's usually not that you know, it's not going to be like the first SEC game at home. So, um, I think we're off to a good start as far as the atmosphere goes. It definitely felt like a last year did not, it was not a college football game. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that was, but it was not LSU. 
Um, this year, it, I mean, that game, it felt like an LSU game. Yeah, and like in three weeks, we have or we have Central Michigan, then at Mississippi State, then we have the first big home Auburn, game, yeah. which is Auburn. So if, I mean, it can be a big ask, but if we close out these next two and then we're uh, three and one going into that game, I expect it to be uh, big time. So, especially if potentially we're going up against an undefeated Auburn team that had just beat Penn State on the road. Yeah, so that's uh, got fingers crossed for an amazing day at that time. But yeah, happy to to be part of the Tiger Nation right now. Yeah, right on. Uh, speaking of, uh, I I couldn't see too much uh, before the game festivities, but the one thing I did notice, you know, because it was it was nine eleven, it was a day of remembrance, and I uh, I saw Cocho and there was two players behind him, each holding a, a flag, and they kind of you know just kind of walked out confidently. Uh, out of the tunnel and I thought that was you know it was nice it was something different you know it kind of commemorated the, the day instead of everyone just charging full force out of the tunnel they just mm-hmm. they just kind of walked out with those flags uh so I thought that was a nice touch and uh I wish I could have seen the halftime show but I could not so it was good to hear from you guys and yeah we're gonna look forward to Central Michigan hopefully we can have some some really good things to talk about and uh see what else happens in the rest of college football because at this point who knows, right? Who knows, man? <laughs> I guess we'll find out. We'll find out next week. Tune in next time on the next edition of Talking Tigs uh, to see what happens, unless you just watch Game Day Final, which you'll know. But anyway, we'll have the LSU game and all the tidbits from that and anything else that comes along with it for you next week. So until then, stay safe, stay tuned, and we'll talk to you next time on Talking Tigs.